everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dreamer Diary podcast. Today is sure to be another exciting and fun episode where, you know, I have a friend who is going to tell their story. And this story is one that I think is going to empower a lot of people to pursue challenging and difficult tasks, you know, going to, going to school to get more education, aspiring to buy a home, you know, being a leader in not only her community, but in her family as well. And to just continue to be a staple of what it takes and what it means to be a good community leader and just an all around great person. And this is the well, her story is the type of story that I wanted to share on this podcast, because often we as dreamers, you know, we hear that other people are doing great things, but we don't know how to do what they did or, or we just don't have the right background to be able to pursue some of the goals that other people have been able to achieve. So today's podcast episode is one, like I said, that's going to hopefully empower many of you listening to the podcast. Um, again, podcast episodes go out every Friday, or at least I try to. I'll be honest, it's, it's kind of tough when you know you got a full-time job and you got, you got responsibilities. And so it's more of a, a hobby or a passion project of mine to be able to interview people, tell their stories, package it all together for you. So on that note, I'm working on some things to make this a better experience for you all, especially with the audio. So I got some ideas that will hopefully make the uh, sound a little bit more clean, a little bit more crisp. And so please bear with me as we continue to evolve the Dreamer Diary podcast. I aspire for it to one day be an avenue where we can provide scholarships to undocumented students both those that have DACA and those that don't. One of the things that is an unfortunate reality is there are a lot of young people who are undocumented who unfortunately are not DACA recipients because they don't qualify because probably they came to the U.S. after you know the specified guidelines. So the Dreamer Diary podcast is one that I hope provides this avenue of support for our community, both those with DACA, those without DACA, as well as those who you know maybe were DACA at some point and now, like me, you know, our citizens or permanent residents, really, this podcast is for anybody and everybody who wants to empower this community. And so on that note, today's guest is an individual who comes with really great stories. She has been able to overcome a lot of adversity, not only in her personal life, but also in her educational and professional um, background to stand as a, as, as a staple of what we aspire to become. Her name is Adriana, and on that note, I'll let her introduce herself. And Adriana, uh, feel free to say hi. Hello, everybody. My name is Adriana Gumito, and I am from El Salvador. I'm happy to be here today sharing my story with all of you. It's been rough, I know, for all <laughs> of us, but you know we can get through the battles and go through the mountains. So very excited to share my story with y'all, and thank you for having me, too. Of course, it's a pleasure. And uh, for those who don't know, we got a special guest. Adriana has her mom there as well. Uh, she might be a little <laughs> timid and, and may not want to say hello, but we do have an extra guest in case you do hear somebody else uh, saying a little something. We do have uh, mom here as well, which is exciting. The more the merrier. So uh, Adriana, feel free to tell us a little bit more about yourself. So what is your story? Where do you come from? Oh, it's a long story, but here I go. <laughs> So um, we are originally from El Salvador, and uh, my parents came here, you know, uh, back in the 80s, but they, they went back to El Salvador because of difficulties that they were facing here. So I was actually born in El Salvador, but then at a very young age, they decided to come back to Houston, Texas, which, uh, which is where we reside at the moment. So coming here, growing up, very American. <laughs> But, you know, always remembering where we're from. And so growing up, I was always very interested in school. School was a big priority at home. We come from a very poor family. So my parents would always come and tell us, you know, you have to go to school in order for you to get through life here in America. But don't ever forget where you come from if you do ever make it far. That's what we grew up with, with my family. So um, at a very young age, my mom decided to cross the border and uh, we got detained, <laughs> but eventually they let us go and, and we ended up back here in Houston. So uh, growing up, we lived in, in the Houston area. I went to elementary school and then I went to middle school. Then um, in middle school, I realized what I wanted to become. And I did so by actually 
I won a science fair. And in the science fair, I met a chemical engineer from ExxonMobil. And I remember her saying, you know, like we, we create things, we, we go and we produce these things that make life more easy. And I remember sitting there like, I want to do that. I want to be able to create shampoo. I want to be able to make toothpaste for people. <laughs> so I came home very excited that day. And I told my mom, mom, I'm going to be a chemical engineer. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know what it was. Wow. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, so yeah, since then I, you know, I was studying really hard, but then in high school was when I realized the problem that I had, right? So I always knew I was undocumented. My parents told us since we were very young, they said, you know, you are not from here. Life is going to get harder. You have to be good in order for you to not get in trouble because then you get back to, you got to go back to El Salvador. That's what they always told us. So it was always that. It was scary to us, you know, we can't be bad. We can't do what other kids do because if we get caught, we're going to go back to El Salvador. Very close-minded type of thinking, but in a way it protected us. So um, when I got to high school, I started evolving, taking a lot of, you know, AP courses and advanced classes to where my professor started talking to me about college. And, and I was like, okay, so I come home one day and I tell my mom, look, I want to go to Baylor University. And she sits down and she's like, okay, so how much is that? Can people that don't have documents go to university? So um, I was like, I don't know. So I started researching more on it and I re and I, I mean, my world came down because I spoke to a lot of advisors at the time while I was in high school and they would say to me, well, you can't, if you don't have, if you're not a resident of the United States, you can't, you can't actually go to university. And I'll sit there and I'll be like, that's so horrible because, you know, I have the possibilities. I know I can do it. So why am I being restricted to not go to university just because I don't have a document? But... Um, when I got to high school, I, I, you know, I just thought to myself, I was like, okay, then I'm just going to go and work somewhere where I can have a business. So I started dancing at a very young age too. And that's when I started looking at the possibilities of, you know, maybe I can extend in this area where I don't need papers. And um, I started a dancing company at a very young age from what I used to dance. So in this company, it was called Adriana's Choreography. I would teach quinceañeras their balls, their baile sorpresa. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you were super events. busy with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was super busy when I was doing school and being in activities. So, and you know, it started expanding because I'm, I was always very old at a very young age. Because, you know, I was the pillar at home. Everybody relied on me, even though I'm the youngest of three. Everybody relied on me because I always understood a little bit better. I was always more involved at home. Uh -huh. So, you know, I was the older out of my older two sisters. So my parents would be like, Mija, we have to pay the rent. Can you help us read this paper? It was always me. So I always felt very old. I always felt like I took care of home because, you know, my parents didn't really knew how to conversate or how to translate documents and so on. So I started this business, started expanding, and I was like, okay, I see a future here as a dance instructor. I was making a lot of money. And then I started expanding into weddings also, and I started making a lot of money. But it grew so much at the time that I was like, Even I was like, how do I go about this where, you know, it's going to be liable in the future? Because we grow old. I can't dance forever. Yeah. <laughs> and I can also have reliable people that can teach like I teach and organize like I organize my events. It's very hard for me to trust others in that aspect. Uh -huh. So I was growing and I was like, but that's the only thing I have. And then DACA came. Mm -hmm. Senior year of high school. I got DACA came and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. my possibilities <laughs> thank god lord thank you lord jesus you know we we partied at home that day oh i bet because we were we were listening yeah my mom goes Mija, she's crying we're all having all kinds of emotions <laughs> and she's like we have to do it right now gather all the documents like all the information because we met the requirements mm -hmm. and finally i had an id 
and I was like, thank you, Lord. I can go to university. Mm-hmm. That was the priority here. And then reality hit us. <laughs> We're <Yeah>. poor. <laughs> we can't afford yeah. a university. We can't, we can't go to and, and apply for financial aid. And you start learning all these things, right? So I come in one day, my mom says, I'm sorry, Miha, I can't help you. And I said, don't worry. I'm going to figure it out. College. So I came one day and I said, I'm going to go to the community college. I'm going to get myself uh, uh, enrolled and I'm going to find a job. Mm-hmm. And she said, <laughs> okay. <laughs> she said, okay, go, go do it. So I went to Lone Star College Side Fair, which is the college near uh-huh. my house. And I went in that day and I was like, what do I need to do to sign up? Do I need to have papers? I was very straightforward. They're like, no, have you lived in Cyprus for this a year or so. I'm like, I lived here mostly my whole life. And they said to me, okay, um, no, you just got to sign up and show us where you live and you're good to go. And I was like, okay, what about the money situation? How much are courses and so on? And they were very, uh, man, it was very difficult to extract the information from them, but I'm very friendly. So, you know, I will go and ask one person and then I will go ask the other person. And then I found out that in Texas, we have this thing called TASFA, Uh Texas grant. And I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to go sign up for. And um, if you have a high school diploma, you can actually get TASFA. Even if you don't file taxes, you can actually do it as long as you're able to prove how much of an income you have. And so I asked my parents and I was like, give me all your check stubs. We're going to do the non-filers tax thing or give me your, your taxes so we can you know, put it all in there and I can get this grant. So that same day I go to the Dean's office and there's a lady there that the house of sign that says now hiring. And I go to her and I said, are you hiring? She goes, we are, we're hiring students, but I need y'all to have some experience. And I said, but it doesn't matter. You can hire me. She goes, I'll think about it. Next day I come and I'm like, can I apply for the job? And she's like, sure, here's the application. Next day I come, I'm like, sorry, you're going to hire me? Are y'all going to do interviews? <laughs> I did that for two weeks straight. Every day I was showing up at that lady's wow. <laughs> office. <laughs> and I got the job. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, you said a lot of amazing things. So I was taking <laughs> notes just to make sure I didn't forget everything you said. Because your story is one that I think speaks on so many different um (laughs) levels of where people can relate i mean first off you talked about the fact that your your mom made the sacrifice early on in her life to bring you and i i do you have siblings i assume you probably have siblings so so to make that sacrifice to bring you and your family to a country where you guys probably did you know english before probably not i assume no, no English. I did not. So, so to come no. to a new country with no language background, probably you know, no cultural um, understanding of what it is to be American, like really, it was a, a a trial of faith that hey, if we move our family from El Salvador to the United States, we'll, we'll be okay. We'll make it work, regardless of what the sacrifice is. Pero we know que si vamos para allá, everything's gonna be okay. That right there exactly. is, a, is a miracle. It's an amazing feat. And I think your mom should be very proud at the fact that she has um, accomplished so much by just, you know, making it here safely for with for, with your family. Like, that is an amazing She's feat. Crying. Well, yeah, because you know what? Like, my parents were there, too. And hola, hola, senora. <laughs> hola. Um, but it's, it's, it's an amazing thing because I, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to some of the previous episodes, but had a good friend, Carlos, um, talk about his experience being the first DACA dental student at UCLA in California. And he was talking about how his dad had to pawn precious family, like heirlooms, like gold or whatever else, you know, they had to sell so that Carlos could get to school so that he could become, you know, a dentist. And his story is just one that of, of many. I mean, my friend Joaquin, who's a, de- a medical student at the University of Utah, he is an, another amazing student where he talks about the sacrifice his parents had to make as well. And so the, the beautiful thing about this podcast is I, as I continue to have different people telling their stories, there's, an, there's, a, there's a part in everybody's story that is 
almost identical, regardless if you're from Bangladesh <clears throat> or you're from Mexico or you're from El Salvador or you're from uh, mm -hmm. Korea. Like, there's an element of sacrifice of I believe that if I go over there, everything will be better than what I have right here. I don't know how it's going to be better. I don't know what I have to do to make it better. But I know that if I go over there, even if even if I don't have papers, it'll be okay. And that, I think, exactly. is the beauty, the beauty of the stories that we're telling on this podcast. Because, again, it's everybody comes from different places, but we all have a similar experience. And, and like I said, with the fact that your mom made that sacrifice early on in her life to prepare you to be where you are today, I mean, look at how strong you are today because of that, right? And it's so just perfect. not you. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's all of the dreamers. Okay. Um, and then you yeah. talked about something that also resonated with me personally, which was when you found out you had DACA. So I, I pulled up oh, yeah. some, some uh, data points, some numbers to just talk about because I think it's interesting to look at kind of the progression of DACA as it was in 2012 to where it is today. So between 2012 and March 2020, 825,998 people or DACA recipients were approved for, for a program that has to be renewed every two years. And then more than half of the cases, 472,287 were approved in the first two years of the program. And in contrast, between 2018 and 2019, only 26,173 new DACA applications were approved. So when you look at the numbers of what DACA, since it started, to, uh, you know, since it was announced 10 years ago, almost a million young people have benefited from this program. That is amazing. And the fact that not only are we as young people continuing to advance our, our stories and our lives and our ex, uh, experiences in our education. But look at what we're impacting. We're impacting our communities. We're impacting our families. You talked about the fact that you started a business because of what you felt impressed to do. You started a business. How many people, I can't tell you how many Americans that I know who are too afraid to start a business because they just, they, they're too afraid to take the risk. And that here you are where every day is a risk and you're like, yeah, hey, absolutely. I'm just going to take it by the by by the horns and I'm just going to get going. Right. And that's an amazing thing. And so when you talked about the fact that when DACA was announced, your family threw a party, you guys were were so excited. I I did, too. I mean, I I didn't throw a party probably like you guys, but I I was impacted in a way because to me it felt like. For fin, finally. Yeah, absolutely. Can, por fin, Diosito. Yeah, it's like, por fin puedo respirar. You know, I don't have to feel like, uh -huh. oh my gosh, I can, you know, if I, si le digo a mi vecino, if I tell my neighbor that I don't have papers, he's going to call immigration. Like, the fact that that mm. stress can be taken off, even for two years, makes a huge difference. And that's actually something that we exactly. were talking on the previous podcast episode of this one, which was the mental health of the undocumented immigrant. And there's so much that goes into that, which is we are constantly just worried about things that we can't control, but it's because that's how we have to live to survive. And so it's, it's not healthy to be living in that state, but to know that a program like DACA exists that gives us that peace of mind to move forward with our lives, that I think is the biggest and the greatest gift that we could, could have received as an undocumented community. I know for me, if it wasn't because of DACA, I never would have gotten my, my, I never would have gone to Japan to see the world. I never would have been able to come back and then become a resident. And I never would have been a citizen. Like I look at how everything fell into place and it all starts yeah. with DACA. So to me, DACA is such a special moment of my life when it was given to me. And Adriana, it sounds like it was equally as important to you and your family. Um, you also talked about how when you went to college, you know, you were talking to advisors and people to help get you on the path. It sounds like you didn't have maybe a mentor or an advisor to help guide you. And so that kind of nope. brings up a question for me, which is despite having that adversity of not having people to support you who, who, who could tell you, hey, apply for TAFSA or apply for this scholarship, yeah. It, a lot of people would get discouraged. So what made you overcome that discouragement to continue to press forward? Oh, 
man. You know, I always been a pursuer. And to me, it was kind of like, in a way, knowing that I've been undocumented or the fact that I'm brown has always been, you know, a, a part of me knows that when I go seek help, I will always, it will always be refrained in a way, just by my skin color in this country. I always knew that. So I learned from my business skills, from my parents, that in order for me to know and understand what I want, I have to dig. Yeah. I always knew that. So I always felt like if these people cannot give me this, I need to find all the outlets, all the available outlets in order for me to give up. And then once I figure out all the outlets are not liable, that's when I'm going to be like, okay, I can't do it. You know what? I can't do it. Mom, we haven't paid rent for three months. I'm going to go clean toilets. I don't care. We need to figure this out. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was always that I always knew that that education was going to open the doors for me. I, I always felt it's not the case always actually, but for me, I always felt that. So <sighs> knowing that I tried all of that, I, that I could, then I would have been like, okay, I can't, I can't do this. But by having all the information, then I could have made the decision. So to me, that push was just, okay, you're not giving me all of it. I'm going to figure all of it out before I give up. I don't give up very easily. I work really hard in this life in order for me to give up so easily. Yeah. So I always push through. Yeah. So, and also uh -huh. going back to that comment that you made in regards to it's, 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 it's very important because DACA has been a, a very big secret in my life. It's been a, it's been a, nobody knows Yeah. until not until a year ago, actually, that really? I opened up about it. Yeah, only my mom, only my sisters, only my husband knows that I have DACA. And in the last year, I opened up about it since I joined the DACA groups. So the first group that I joined on Facebook was um, uh, Advanced Parole, which I didn't know about. Yeah. And then I joined the Dreamers, uh, all these groups I joined. And finally, I was like, I can talk to people about my yeah. situation. I can relate to what they're going through. And when I started doing that, I realized I was able to open up more to other people around me, like my close friends. But it's always, it makes me shake actually, because look, I'm shaking because it's always, nobody at work knows because they judge you. Yeah. The moment they know you're undocumented, although, because I don't look undocumented yeah. because I don't speak like I'm undocumented because there's this like stereotype base. Right. Uh -huh. It's always been, a, uh, it's always been a very big secret in my life. So what, and, what inspired you a year ago to actually do it? Was it, was there like a defining <laughs> moment? Like, was there something that like you just experienced where you're like, you know what? So I was gay. Like, I just have to, I'm tired of I have it. to tell my story. Like what, what was that like for you? So for me, it was more, it was random too. Cause like I was just scrolling through Facebook and there's like the groups that pop up and it was like dreamers only. And I was like, oh, if I join, my friends are going to know I'm joining this group. It's so shady. But I mean, that's how I felt, honestly, because I don't want people to know, right? That's what my thoughts was at the time. I don't want people to know. And I was like, join. And they asked a couple questions. And I was like, yeah, I'm a DACA holder or whatever. And then I started like seeing all these people like I just got approved. I just renewed. Oh, my God, I'm waiting for the letter. And I'm able to ask these questions. And I was like, I'm part of this big community, right? So why am I hiding in the shadows? Uh -huh. <laughs> I've done so many great things in my life. I want to share it with people. <laughs> and and that, I want to, we can do it guys. <laughs> That's and, how I felt. <laughs> and that right there, exactly what you said is, is the reason for this podcast, because again, the reality is we all have stories. We all have experiences. If it's not yes. firsthand, like, like where we came here, you know, um, consciously coming as a person to the United States undocumented. Yeah. And we were brought, like in my case, I was 
they brought me here as as a baby, six months old. So para mí, like, this is home. Like, I'm American, pero yeah, in, in papel, like, you know, I'm Mexican, you know? Um, and, exactly. And, and for the longest time, it was so hard to understand and to pacify these feelings of, like, pues ni soy de aquí ni de allá. Because it's like, mm -hmm. I'm from, on paper, I'm from over there, but culturally and my and how I speak and what I like and what I do, I'm from here. And so there's almost this like feeling of, of like, uh, what's, what's the term? It's, um, the, uh, imposter syndrome. There's, there's a little bit of, exactly. of imposter syndrome that happens when you always have to pretend that you're somebody yes. who you're really not. And that is a exactly. really hurtful thing. And I think what DACA has done is DACA gave us the freedom to now express ourselves where we could say, you know what? I didn't choose to come to this country I didn't yeah. make that choice myself willingly, but it happened and I'm doing the best that I could with it. And I needed mm -hmm. help and DACA gave me the help. And that's what DACA, exactly. I think, ultimately did is it opened the doors of, of freedom of expression, you know, which is something exactly. that Americans enjoy regardless. But when you're undocumented, you can't help but feel <sighs> stuck. Como que, like, you can't express you yourself. In. Yeah, exactly. You can't. You can't, you can't even talk about politics. No. I mean, it affects all aspects of life because you're like, you have a thought, but you can't vote. You can't mm -hmm. do all these things. No. And they're like, who did you vote for? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're trying to avoid the questions. And why don't you travel? You're so outgoing. Why don't you go out there and just go to Spain? And I'm just sitting here like, you don't know how hard it is for us. Anna just to even be able to get a job yeah it's still harder than most things like that it's it, it, i feel like finally i freed myself because i've grown yeah and i've learned a lot from the program so whenever i see people starting it or this is their first year i won't go help them i want to be like we're gonna be fine look i can help you fill out this form exactly don't worry it's okay don't freak out because we're thinking like this is the hardest thing to do but it's not it's like just get your stuff in order we're gonna get through it let's do it together exactly like, that's what i'm getting from it and i never felt that before well, i never felt like i fit it fit in a group or anything well and the thing is you are part of a group i mean we're all part of the group you exactly because <laughs> one of the things I, I i was telling um it's funny, I keep referring to my previous podcasts. Uh, hopefully okay. you get a chance to, to listen to them um, because the, there's so much content that gets covered in these podcast episodes. But one of the things that really just resonates with me is the fact that um, we can empower one another. I was saying in, yes. in my previous podcast, which is funny because uh, we're recording on a Friday and uh, I just released it this morning. So if you get a chance to listen to uh, mm -hmm. Aisha's podcast, it's a really good one. But we were talking about the fact that we're trailblazers, right? In our families, we are leading the way in terms yes, of absolutely. being the example for our siblings, for our cousins, for our family members, like the tios and the tias who maybe want to start a business, but no saben, they don't know how to do it, right? We are the trailblazers. We show them how to do it when you don't have the way to do it, right? Because exactly. when you think about the fact that when you don't have papers, you can't go get a driver's license, you can't go get a traditional okay. loan, you can't do a handful of other things. Like you said, you can't vote. And I think one of the really challenging things when when I was you know undocumented that I felt all the time was it bothered me that when it came time every yes. four years for people to vote my voice was not represented and yet exactly I had to abide by the same rules and changes that everybody else voted in but I had no voice exactly. into whether or not um, I wanted them right and mm -hmm. that that's mm -hmm. that's another example of the fact that we he, we dreamers like we are hustlers. We get things done. You tell us not to do something trying, and we'll figure it out. Because we're like trying to prove ourselves in a way, right? To the government too. We're like trying to tell them, hey, look, I'm trying really hard here. Give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. I feel like that's what we're doing all the time in a way. Exactly. When we're doing that every day that we're living here and just building up our community. And that's, I think, one of the powerful things that DACA has done. I mean, you talked about, you know, pursuing a really challenging um, 
degree degree which was in the in the stem field right i think is is what i yes. understood mm -hmm. so with it being a stem degree we hear all the time that stem and healthcare are degrees where people we just need more people to get into these fields because number one uh we don't have enough young people going into colleges anymore and sure people can learn how to you know code and do all these fun things outside of an educational program but i think this this challenge in that and just my personal opinion is that it's almost a fallacy because you're you're you yeah you can make money without getting a degree and that's fine but exactly. when you're mm -hmm. undocumented as an example you could get deported any day there daca can be taken away tomorrow with mm -hmm. you know the signing of a of of the pen and then what you go back to your home country if what do you have to show getting is nada exactly. so to me i always exactly. viewed getting an education as a form of insurance like an insurance policy that que si me de, if, if si me deportan tomorrow and i have to go back to mexico well, they'll never take the master's degree that I have. They'll never take Absolutely. the associate's degree or the bachelor's degree. Or the Cuentan todo el mundo. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So when people are like, well, well we don't know, you know, why, do you, why are you going to college? Why are you spending all this money on school? The reality is because they don't understand. They don't get exactly. the value that we have because, again, we don't have access to scholarships and stuff like other people. So if we really want it, then we have to see the vision of how we can use it. And that, I think, Absolutely. is what sets us apart, which is why I personally personally believe that as DACA hopefully evolves into becoming a full legislation where all DACA recipients can become citizens or at least have a pathway towards citizenship, I think that'll be the defining factor to something that's going to change the makeup of this country forever. And the reason why Absolutely. I firmly believe that is because and is because when you consider this, and this is something that I brought up in a previous episode, which was think about the 11 or 15 million undocumented immigrants that are currently living in the United States that people say um, are here. Let's just say it's 15, right? Because we don't really know the numbers because I right. think we've been you know, in the shadows. We lie. Yeah, we don't really know. <laughs> yes. But uh, let's just pretend there's 15, right? Out of the grid. <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, if you look at the numbers, at the data, a lot of a good chunk of of this 15 million um, group of undocumented individuals came shortly after the 1986 Immigration Reform and Control Act, um, which basically amnesty. was the Amnesty Act, right? And so when you look at the numbers and you look at the immigration trends from that point forward, you start to see this huge influx in the 90s and going into the early 2000s. And then you start seeing the numbers kind of start going down a little bit after 9-11, where obviously it got harder to make to come into the U.S. But my point is, when you look at that number, that tells you that between 19, the 1990 to probably, let's say, 2002, so that's like 12 years. So for those 12 years, um, immigrants were coming in the millions, right? Undocumented immigrants were coming in the millions. Let's just say they were probably in their teens to early 20s. Maybe, right? Let's just pretend. Right. Well, at that time, let's say they were in their 20s. Well, now you factor in 12 years to 2002, and then you factor in another 12 years. So our parents, our tios, our tias, our abuelos, abuelas, mm -hmm. those who came in the 90s are at an age where they, are, they need to start planning for their retirement. They can't, exactly. they can't be working the fields, you know, going into their 70s or 80s. So... Who's going to pick up the slack when they can't anymore? Yeah. Right? And yeah. that, I think, is a big thing that I don't think a lot of Americans and a lot of uh, politicians are considering is that we dreamers, because we are aspiring to provide a better life than yeah. what we were given, not to say that our parents didn't do the best that they could. That's not what I'm right. saying. But what I'm saying is that we have a vision of the life that we want, which is why we're going exactly. to school, we're starting businesses, we're investing in, in, in you know, stocks and cryptos and all that stuff. We're doing what we can to build a future. Well, we're also thinking about how are we going to take care of our parents? Because I will tell you right now, get, I I can't see my mom working lavando trastes or los baños into her 60s or 70s or even 80s, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I, I, I get emotional I about do, that topic. Adriana, <laughs> I do too because I see my mom like – I, my mom, she worked at a hospital 
cleaning bathrooms, you know, where people would yeah. would spit on on this on her floor after she had just cleaned it. Where yeah. my mom would come home and tell me stories of how doctors would look at her and yeah. le, le decían cosas, you know, they would say things to her yes. like like, oh, to, today I saw, you know, my friend, and he's an immigration person. Like, they would say stuff like that, and it's porque, right? So it's like when you hear these types of things as a young person and you start seeing your parents being affected by these things, the first thing you think yeah. of is, I don't want that for them anymore. How can I take care exactly. of them? So that's why when I talk about we're trailblazers, we're not only trailblazers for ourselves but for our families because when the time comes where now it's on us to take care of them, yeah, we have absolutely. the education and we have the knowledge to live a, to provide for them a different life than they they have. And so when I hear stories of like your mom and Carlos's parents and Joaquin's and I think about my own story, I think about the struggle and I think about how can I give back to to the people that that deserve it, you know? And so Adriana, I know you're getting emotional. I'm, I'm trying so hard not to get emotional myself no, because okay. I am a big crier. I like to cry. I I just, yeah. it's it's releasing. Like, I feel like my soul, my, my alma just feels free when I can let it all out. And I, there's times where I just sit in my car and just reminisce about the time when, you know, when for me, so I, I haven't, at, well, this is funny. I haven't even talked about how I went on a study abroad to Japan. And that experience was very interesting because I got advanced parole to go to Japan. And when I was in Japan, my friends and I, we were, um, we had all gone to like some, some bar or something as a, as a group of students. And one of them got really drunk, really drunk to the point where one of the Japanese students who spoke English said like, we should probably get him home because if he does anything dumb, he could get deported back to the U.S. And it hit me in that moment. I was like, Mira, look at this. Here I am on the other side of the world, afraid porque I could get deported in the U.S. And here I am in a totally different country with my peers, and they run the same risk that I do. Now they understand. And when I came back into the U.S. and, you know, um, I got put into the holding room, when they were looking at my advanced parole documentation, I don't think I ever prayed as hard in my life as I did then because the room that they put me in, there were all these like Chinese or Asian um, uh, people that had con got gone on the same flight as I did and were in that same room and they were crying and I was listening and they were saying, "You, sorry, we can't let you come back into the U.S. So here I am thinking, híjole, pues... I guess the, I, I, I guess I'm going to have to go back. And so they waited until I was the very last one in the room. I probably waited an hour, probably an hour and a half. I couldn't text wow. anybody. I couldn't call anybody. So my wife and my and my family, they were all just on edge because nobody knew where I was or what was happening to me. And so when they call my name and they say, Christian, come on up, I go up there. And the immigration officer is looking at me with the coldest stare, and I just... I just knew, okay, Christian, if you're, if you're gonna, if, if God wants you to stay, was this is the moment, right? And and so I just said a little prayer in my heart, you know, hopefully, you know, yeah. everything would work out. And sure enough, the the immigration officer said, okay, Christian, where did you go? I said Japan. What what? Why did you go there? I said I oh, study abroad. Um, where are you from? I said Mexico. Where do you live? And I told him Utah, and then he's like, he looked at me, and I just looked at him with kind of this, the this coldest face I could give him, to just hopefully let him know that I'm I was serious. The tears. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was trying so hard yeah, not I to cry. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And then he said, "Okay." Stamped my my passport and my paperwork and said, "Welcome back to the U.S." In that moment, Ooh. you have no idea how I felt. I. I left that room, got my, my carry-on, and right when I left that room that I was in and took the stairs down um, at LAX, I cried right there in the middle of the airport, Yore, because for the first time ever in my life, I heard somebody saying, welcome to the U.S. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that yeah. changed my future. And so 
you know, I share that with this podcast because that is what I want for everybody else to experience. I want everybody to feel exactly how I felt when the words were said to me, welcome back to the United States. And then later on when I became a permanent resident, and I haven't told that story either, um, when they said to me, welcome home, again, I just, I cried because those were words that just seemed so far away to me. But here, here they were, you know, they said it. And so... Adriana, I know you were getting all emotional. And like I said, I'm trying so hard not to get emotional myself. But I think it's because we can connect on on the same playing field. We understand exactly what it feels like to be a dreamer, but that it's not impossible to pursue the life that we want. Um, I mean, you talked about the, the, the industry and the career track that you that you wanted to to pursue. But I think something that would be interesting to help our 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 my listeners is. You know, what were some of the obstacles that you had to overcome to get into that field? And then what are some obstacles that you're continuously overcoming um, as you have started your business? Yeah, so um, when I joined college, I actually told my mom and I spoke to them and I said, because my dad works on foundation under the houses, filthy, (laughs) that comes from filthy, right? So I talked to him and I said, look, I'm going to drop the business mm-hmm. and I'm going to go to school. And it was difficult because I was bringing in a lot of money to help my parents. He just got home from working. Oh. <laughs> my dad just got home from he, working. He's probably thinking so, he, um, yeah, he has in the car. <laughs> what, what's going on here? <laughs> so um, I said, I, I can't help no more. I want to try to go to school, but I'm gonna, I have a part-time job now. So my mom said, okay. So it wasn't hard. College wasn't hard for me. It wasn't hard. It was when I was going into now my degree because I transferred over mm-hmm. from from Lone Star College to my university, which is called Purview A M University. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I hustle. I hustle yeah. and I talk to a lot of people. I'm able to extract data from people. <laughs> so I remember during the transfer fairs, these people will come in and I'll be like, "Hey, you want a coffee? Hey, um, any scholarships available?" you know who I can talk to about chemical engineering? And that's how I was able to get me a full ride. No way. (laughs) Yeah. No way. Adriana, that is amazing. Wow. I got me a a full ride scholarship. So I explained to her, I will co-sit with her every day. And I'll be like, look, I don't have papers. I don't have a work permit. And, you know, I have to do it every two years. And my, my parents, you know, they don't have money. And I really want to be an engineer. And she was like, I'll figure something out for you. This lady hustled for me. I, I was always talking to her. So I was like, Mommy, I'm going to go look at universities. And she said, okay. So I went and I did a tour. And I got accepted to all the universities I, yeah, I went to see. Answer. I had a perfect GPA at the time. And then I started thinking more smartly. I was like, this university is giving me a full ride. It's close to home. And the other ones are far away and I can't afford them. And I can't get a loan and I can't do all the things, right? So I decided to go to where my opportunity was. Now, the the hard part was being a woman in engineering. Yes. An undocumented woman in engineering. (laughs) Talk talk about like challenges that you had to overcome. Wow. The challenges were when we got to junior year and everybody's doing internships uh-huh. and you can't, and you can't because the first thing they ask you when you're applying for this internship or this job is, are you a U.S. citizen or are you a green card holder? Yeah. And then there's also the visa, but there's never a DACA option. There isn't. So when you, the moment you go in there and you leave that blank and they come and ask you the question and you're trying to explain to them, I don't need sponsoring you. They can't sponsor you because we don't have a legal status. When you're trying, they don't give you the chance, man. They don't give you the chance to explain. Even today, I'm struggling with that same issue. I cannot work in a plant because the moment they hear I have DACA, they don't hire me. I got... I got an internship offer from NASA. No way. I have the paper. I can I can show you the paper. Adriana, I got that an acceptance. Is... Wow. 
<laughs> so uh, while I was in, in my sophomore year, I went to this career fair and I was able, I signed up. I got an interview because they do in-house interviews, right? Yeah. So I interviewed with them and it went great. And then I went to the second stage and it went great. And they didn't send me a letter. You've been approved to do an internship for this, you know, summer 2016, something like that. I don't remember very well. And they said, you can come. And then it's like, all you need to do is provide your information. But when I got to HR, they're like, we cannot give you clearance because you're not a U.S. citizen. I cried, mommy. I came home. I was like, ah. Las oportunidades, you know, being missed. You have the, I, I know I have the ability to do it, but I can't do it for this one thing. Those were the biggest problems that I, that I had. Procter & Gamble offered me a job. And I couldn't get it. And then I know there's other, and I'm not saying it's everybody, but I know a lot of DACA people that have been able to, and I wish I could hear their stories, that have been able to get into plants like Shell and all these places to work because they know people. So I feel us as DACA holders, it's very important to network. It's very important to find people that can open the doors for you because sometimes that block will remain if you're unable to explain yourself. And I feel like sometimes we're not given that chance, man. Sometimes we're not given the chance to explain ourselves what the situation is because there's so many, millions of others applying. And when they look at you and they're like, okay, you're smart, good for you. Yeah, you're a good asset to our company, but you were too much of a hassle. So let me go with the citizen or the green card holder. It's, it's hard, man. Wow. I, yeah. I, I, I'm at a loss for words because like yeah. I said, your story is amazing. When, when you shared it with me, yeah. I, I knew it was already amazing, but to hear that NASA, which is something that, I mean, I can't tell you how many friends that I have that are in the STEM sciences, uh, field trying to get an even to even get an interview with NASA is a big deal. And the fact that you went yeah. as far as you did. Um, I think it yeah. speaks to the reality that we need to make some type of change with the DACA program. We need to provide yes. um, a pathway to citizenship or even a pathway, an easier pathway to permanent residency at the bare yes, minimum do. for DACA <laughs> recipients. Because think about the missed opportunity that NASA has on getting a top quality talent in, in you, but not just the talent, but also the fact that they have you know, their criteria that they need to, to meet. And yeah. you check all those boxes. You're, 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 you meet the demographic the side, you got the GPA, you have the education, you have obviously uh, the a great and amazing personality. So it's like, come on, just that one thing, which is the freaking piece of paper that says that you're from here or that you're allowed to be here. That one piece of paper yeah. is what's, what could potentially be changing, you know, um, your, your stars and your future. And so, um, yeah. If there's anybody listening to this podcast who is in a related field or who can help Adriana with some type of uh, mentorship or, you know, connecting her to somebody who could help, you know, get her an internship to expand her horizons and expand her education um, and her educational opportunities, please get in touch with me. Please get in touch with Adriana, as I'm sure she would greatly benefit from, you know, a conversation with you uh, because, Adriana, I, I hope something happens here in the next little while that just changes things for you. And, and I believe that they will. I mean, because for me, one of the things that one of the things that really stands out to me is that when you're undocumented, you live by faith. And when you live by faith, you yeah. have hope. And when you have hope, you aspire for things to change. And when you aspire for things to change, you're going to work hard to make them change, if exactly. not for yourself, but for somebody else. And I firmly believe that because that happened to me. And so I, if, if I was able to come away from being told from dozens of immigration lawyers who told me, sorry, but there's no way for you to change your, your status and look mm -hmm. at me now, I became a citizen last year, then you know what? I'm sorry. That's bullshit <laughs> for lack of a better exactly. term. There is a way. And if you're willing to go to war with me, I'll go to war with you. And so if anybody's listening who could help 
please provide some um, support where, where, we, where you can. And I know that we're getting kind of at the top of our time together, Adriana. We've been talking for almost an hour, if you can believe it. I know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, time flies when you're having fun. I was able to, actually, I was able to graduate as a chemical engineer. Really? I graduated back in 2018. Yes. Wow. Congratulations. I work as a chemical, yes, chemical engineer analyst now, and I'm pursuing my MBA. I graduate in, in summer. So I was able to overcome the mountain. Yeah. I was like, oh. Dang, we're we're gonna have to throw a Dreamer Diary podcast party just for just for that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, no, no. I got my degree. I was like, I don't care who stops me. I don't. <clears throat> I gotta figure it out. Even if I don't work as an engineer, I know, like you said, the same concept. When I go, if I go back to my country, guess what? I have my degree with me. Yeah. I have the language with me. I could work as a translator if needed. I could work at an airport. It doesn't matter. And I also learned Wait. French. So I speak French very well, too. <laughs> See, there you go. I'm telling you, we, we need something to change with, with the DACA program because we're missing yeah. out on amazing, amazing, amazing individuals like yourself. Uh, Adriana, I kind of wanted to uh, see if your mom would be open to just a couple of minutes of just joining us on the mm -hmm. podcast. Is that something... She would be open to. She speaks Spanish, though. Okay, but yeah. no worries. Well, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll turn the Spanish flit, uh, switch and uh, say, "Hola, señora, cómo está?" Muy bien. Uh, bien orgullosa de mi hija. No, pues sí, no, yo igual y ni es mi hija. <laughs> sí. No, bueno, le quería preguntar acerca de las experiencias que Adriana ha tenido en estos últimos años de, de, de la escuela y luego del trabajo pero más que nada del sacrificio y pues en el perspectivo de la mamá, um, ¿cómo vio usted en ese periodo de la vida de Adriana um, y los desafíos que, que ella tenía en ese momento? Pues Adriana fue una muchachita muy imperactiva. Ella a los seis años me dijo que quería bailar y yo la llevé a una academia de baile. A los 11 empezó a, a, a hacer coreografías y estudiaba, trabajaba. Ay, ahora, mami. Hay tantas cosas. Ella tenía ese poder de que ella podía muchas cosas a la vez. Y cuando ella me dijo al, que iba a ser ingeniera química, pues yo pensaba que iba a cambiar su mente. Nunca la cambió. Desde el momento que dijo que iba a ir a, que fue a ExxonMobil a, a una excursión, me dijo, mamá, voy a ser ingeniera química. Pero yo química pensaba que era hacer pastillas, hacer champú, hacer crema. No lo es. Sí es, pero ella, ella no sabía tampoco y se fue con los ingenieros. Mechanical primero. Oh, yeah, I got an associate in mechanical uh -huh. engineering first. Mechanical engineer. Just to uh -huh. kind of like see, yeah. De ahí, pues, ya química ingeniera, pero en gasolina. En eso fue que acá se perdió. Chemical engineering, but it, we do plants. We do, uh -huh. in Texas, it's mostly based oil and gas. Sí. Yeah, uh -huh. Oil and gas. Y pues, y dale, y dale, y dale. Trabajaba en el college cuatro horas y se iba a estudiar. Eran las dos de la mañana, a veces no venía, yo esperándole en la mañana, en la madrugada, porque no me gustaba que manejara sola. Sí. Y hablando conmigo por teléfono y venía. Así que se graduó, casi me desmayo en, la, en, la, en las escaleras de la felicidad. <risa> porque para nosotros estar aquí es muy duro. Sí. Y ver que nuestros hijos salgan a, 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 a triunfando, es más el orgullo más grande que nosotros tenemos. Y yo le digo a mi hija, usted tiene que sentirse orgullosa, porque mi hija es bien humilde. Ella a veces nos dice que se graduó y le preguntan. Y yo le digo, no, sí, mi hija se graduó de, de ingeniera química, le digo yo. Ay, mami, usted. No, <risa> mi hija, le digo yo, porque es un orgullo para mí. Sí. ¿Ah? Es, y ahora que se va a graduar ya de su maestría, más orgullosa todavía. Yeah. Wow. Y pues también se casó, y gracias a Dios, todo, todo ha ido a su orden. A su It's orden. Yeah. Yeah. Y así es. Muy inteligente, mi hija, de chiquitita. 
No, y pues, pero hemos sufrido, ¿Eh? hemos sufrido, pues, yo les he ayudado mucho a ellos para que podamos salir adelante entre todos vendiendo ¿Sí? pupusas, vendiendo, like, vendiendo comida, one time we went to the beach, I know we're taking longer, but no, okay. one time we couldn't afford rent, we, we couldn't eat, no teníamos para comer, ¿te acuerdas mami? Y dice mi mami, vamos a ir a gastarnos sus últimos 50 dólares, and we're gonna buy fruit. No teníamos para la renta. No teníamos nada. Entonces dice, vamos a gastar el dinero. And we went to Galveston, nos pusimos en unos patitos en Uber Center. Fruta. Ahí todas quemadas. Five dollars, five dollars, manguito, pepino. Setecientos dólares que me van a vender para la renta. Wow. Todo el día. Me van a vender fruta. Y todavía sigo haciendo pupus. No, pues sí, se me están antojando. Sí. No, sí, sí. Yo y mi esposo estamos muy orgullosos que llegamos acá y, y vimos el fruto del de, de sacrificio de nosotros. Exactamente, sí. Que son muy buenas muchachas las que tengo, pero solo ella se, se graduó, solamente ella. Pero sin DACA. Sin DACA sí. nunca te hubiera podido. Yo el día que dijeron que iban a aplicar a DACA, cuando dijeron que alistáramos documentos, fue lo primero que dijeron. Porque iba a haber la oportunidad, empecé a buscar de todo, mandar a tres partidas de nacimiento a El Salvador y cuando ya dijeron, punto, yo era la primera que estaba allá en el, en el abogado haciendo cola para meter en los papeles a mí. Sí. <ríe> sí. Oh, wow. Bueno, ni, ni tengo palabras por, por lo que han compartido el día de hoy. Honestamente, la, la historia de Adriana es una que, que yo creo que va a a motivar a much, mucha gente que, que escucha el podcast a, a seguir and they can always su, reach out to me yeah, yeah, exactly and, and that's one of the things that I was, I was hoping for is just, you know, to provide that, that support um, I just, I was going to say to your mom que pues señora, si usted se debe de sentir muy orgullosa por todo lo que ha hecho Adriana sí. y no nomás ella, pero también por usted en, en el sacrificio que usted hizo al venir acá, al, me imagino a, al estar lejos de su familia allá en El, el Salvador. Sí, y más venía la cosita cargándola en el camino. Sí, pero ese sacrificio y todo lo que ha logrado Adriana es un reflejo de, de las enseñanzas de usted y, su, y, y de su esposo. Así que deben de sentirse muy orgullosos de todo lo que ha pasado y por lo que viene porque cuenta Adriana... El futuro va a traer muchas bendiciones, no nomás para ella, pero para todos ustedes. Y, no, para todos. Y, y así es. Y para terminar este podcast, voy a, a terminarlo en inglés, así que, pues, perdón. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, pero, that's right. Thank you. But, no, more than anything, Adriana, your story is one, like I said, that is one of, to exemplify the American dream. I think, really, it's what you, you've shared today is the American dream where you can come to Absolutely. a country, not have anything, struggle, like you said, where you, you guys didn't have any food, and you hustled, you found a way to make, make it work. And look at yeah. where you are today. So, Adriana, please keep in touch as you graduate, um, and as, if you're, as you're looking for opportunities for employment, um, please let me know, and we'll see how we could connect you with uh, you know the Dreamer Diary Podcast Network, because your story is one that I don't think has a an end point. I think your story is just starting and I can't wait to see where it takes you. I can't wait to see where the, just the, the, the lives that you're going to change with, with just your story in general. So that brings us almost to the top of the hour together. Everybody who is listening to this podcast, please, if you feel so inclined to reach out to Adriana, her social media, well, actually I'll let uh, Adriana, how can people get in touch with you? What is the best way for them to reach out to you? They can, I, I'm, Email, Facebook, Instagram, I'm everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, my name is Adriana Argumedo, and you can find me through Facebook. And I'm, I'm, I try to be part of all the um, dreamers, uh, you know, groups and Facebook. I try to join as many as I can, advanced parole, that I have knowledge and all that. Because I'm also trying to go through the same process as you. <laughs> so, primero Dios. Yeah, well, yes, let me know how uh, I can you help. Can reach me. <laughs> 
Yeah. My email is Adriana Argumito at yahoo.com. If you want to reach me out there, I also have my phone number. I'll give it to y'all oh, through Facebook. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, I don't know about the podcast, but for sure uh, through messages yeah. or something, that would be good. Yeah. Um, and then what, what is your Instagram handle so people could, could find you there too? Oh, it's Adriana B. Mars. I'm a huge Bruno Mars fan. Oh, yeah? Yes, okay. Very nice. All right. Well, I'm sure that I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll link all of those social media uh, handles uh, on the announcement for this podcast episode. Adriana, thank you so much for joining me today and your mom as well. And uh, Senora, forgive me, pero I didn't even ask your name. What's your mom's name? It's Norma. Norma. Bueno, thank you, Norma, Norma. for joining us today on the, on the podcast. Uh, you should feel very proud. I feel very proud to know Adriana uh, in the way that I do. So for everybody listening, I have a great lineup of other stories that are going to be told here in the upcoming weeks. So please continue to support this podcast. Like I said, I do have some ideas and some plans for the podcast. So if anybody would be you know, interested in supporting the channel, please reach out to me. The email is thedreamerdiary21 at gmail.com. Or you can reach out via Facebook or Instagram as well. And we'll just continue to provide a great storytelling avenue for people to share their stories. And and as always, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye, everybody.